Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We invite the presence of your Holy Spirit. You were there, Lord, to help us worship. Now we pray you help us to understand. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. Every time, Lord. We listen to your word. We study your word. We need you to help us understand you, Father. So touch us even now this evening, Lord. Help us to put aside everything else and our eyes, our hearts, our minds be on you alone, O oh Father. Speak to us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'll continue from where I stopped on Saturday. And if you didn't do your homework because it was already up on the net, that's your fault, not mine. You had four days to catch up. So we'll go to Second Timothy chapter two, or chapter one and verse seven. Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven. For God did not give us a spirit of fear or spirit of timidity, but the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Okay? This is a good man, Timothy. Man of genuine faith, man of genuine character. And uh, if you listen to Saturday's message, you will know the references where Paul talks him as a true son of faith. Incredibly faithful, genuine person, but doing nothing. It's got a genuine gift, but doing nothing. It's Edmund Burke who said that for evil to triumph, all you need is good men to do nothing. Okay, and this is a good man who does nothing. And the church is full of good people who actually do nothing. Okay, and all it takes for evil to triumph is good people who are paralyzed by fear. So here is God speaking to us, to all people, that it is, he has not given us a spirit of fear. But he has given us something else. Like in a mathematical equation, this is how you should read it. He has given us the spirit of power. He has given us the spirit of love. He has given us the spirit of a sound mind. It is his spirit. Okay, this is the spirit of God. In Galatians 5 and verse 25, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, will say, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Okay? The, 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 the life God has called us in the new covenant is to live in the Spirit. Okay? And walk in the Spirit. So you will see how do we learn these patterns? We learn these patterns from the Master Himself, from Jesus Himself. So at the age of 30, if you turn with me to Luke chapter 4, at the age of 30, uh, when he comes to um, Nazareth, his ministry, he's going to begin his ministry. 
So he comes to Galilee, he comes to Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue where for probably 25 years, I'm guessing, because he was born in Bethlehem, he had to flee to Egypt. When exactly he came back from Egypt, we do not know. So let's guess, five years. But he doesn't come back to Bethlehem. He comes to Nazareth. That is the synagogue which he grew up in for 25, let's say, roughly 25 years. And then when he goes over there, he opens scripture. The scroll is given to him. Already people have heard about him. Scroll is given. And this is what he reads. Verse 18 and 19. Yes, which... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Okay, that's enough, okay? That's how he begins. That's how he begins. He begins, this is his mission statement, therefore the mission statement of every believer in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. Okay, that's how he begins. He says, everything that you will hear from me and see me do is because of the Spirit. That nothing will I do outside the Spirit. He's upon me and he has anointed me. And he will give the nature of his ministry. So we saw Paul telling Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of power. Now if you go again to 1 Corinthians and chapter 2, and I will read from verse 9 onwards. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Usually what we take is, we take it and put it into the future that one day we will know it. But that's not what scripture says. In verse 10, scripture says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The things that are unseen are being revealed, is revealed to us by his spirit. And then it says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So, talking about God the Father. The things of God, the deep things of God, who knows? Only the Holy Spirit knows. Then it compares what the Holy Spirit does to what we ourselves do. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Like, none of you know. I don't know what you are thinking. I can roughly guess whose mind is here and whose mind is not here. But what actually you are thinking, yes, Venkat, what actually you are thinking, I have no clue at all. But your spirit knows. Your spirit knows. In that same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Okay? No one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And verse 12 says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So also tells a purpose. Nobody knows what God thinks except his spirit. And then scripture says, God has given us the spirit, his spirit, so that we might understand freely what God, okay? Today we are looking at God's spirit, how we thought God's spirit we will not be able to go ahead. Not be able to go ahead. For 30 years of Jesus' life, Jesus lived a very quiet life in the Spirit. Very quiet life in the Spirit. Because the Spirit did not tell him to step out. But it was a life in the Spirit. He was walking in the Spirit. He was living in the Spirit. But he did not step out. And for us, Jesus' life is the role model. 
And if you look, go back to Luke, if you look the pattern. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, when he steps out, when the Father through the Spirit tells Jesus who came in the flesh, tells him to go to Galilee, to Jordan, and to get baptized. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. Okay? So this was his pattern. Now, it is after this he will say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He is endowed with power. And then if you come to chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2, now because the Holy Spirit came upon him, scripture says, the Spirit, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Okay, now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he returned from Jordan. And now he's led by the Spirit. Okay, where is the Spirit taking him? The Spirit is taking him into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Okay, so we are only given three questions which the devil asked him in those 40 days. But he was tested for 40 days. He was there for 40 days and he was tested and he was full of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was symbolic of the test Israel went through in that 40 years in the wilderness. The son, Jesus, representing Israel of God, is going through the same process. But what was the whole purpose of what he went through and what they went through, we know in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. Very familiar, but sometimes we can get so familiar and we forget it in our day-to-day life. Okay, in verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you, to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. Okay, and verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither your fathers had known to teach you. So what is all purpose? One purpose, primary purpose. Okay, to teach you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That was the purpose. The whole purpose of them being taken there and being given manna every day and Jesus is showing, the whole purpose is, man shall live by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How to live in the spirit. How to walk in the spirit. This is the spirit who will speak to you every day. And when you are tested, when you are prompted, when you are, when you are facing, it is the spirit who will tell you what to do. That was the purpose of them having to eat manna every day. And Jesus was saying, this was the purpose. That without living in the spirit, without walking in the spirit, this is what it says. It, not that it proceeded from the mouth of God. It proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a living reality. The Holy Spirit speaks. And when you hear, when you obey, it's life. It's life. It's a life which is not natural, which is an impartation of a life that is supernatural. 
that you are not governed or do you react to your circumstances? And his circumstances are there. He's in the wilderness like they were in the wilderness. He's hungry like they were hungry. He's been asked to do something and he can do that. But he will not do that because he is hearing from the spirit what he needs to do in that situation. And he says, this is how a child of God lives by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And once that 40 days is over, chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Okay, so you will see it's a continuous, okay, continuous moving of the Holy Spirit, a leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then he comes to Nazareth and that's when he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And this is, should be uh, the Truth for every child of God that we grow in this. He's of course complete in it, but we grow in this. And the manifesto is given that he has, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And the result of it is the life that there is good news. There is freedom. There is revelation. And there is liberty. The four facets of a life that is led by the spirit that walks in the spirit. Now, there is a message, the good news, the great commission. He tells at the end of his life, after he's risen, before he leaves, he tells the great commission, go, power, authority is given. But then he also tells them, wait. Wait, okay? Why? Because you need power. But how do you receive power? Exactly the way he received power. Okay? He says in Acts chapter verse 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. He was born of the Holy Spirit. Ten days earlier, he had breathed upon them. They were born of the Holy Spirit. He says, wait, that is okay. Live a quiet life for ten days. He didn't say ten days. Live a quiet life. You're not ready to do anything. Step out and do anything for me. Like I did not step out for 30 years. You don't step out and do anything. Because to step out and do something, you need power. And that power will come not when you're born of the Spirit, but when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And that's when you will receive power. And he, they receive power, and you know ministry begins and everything changes. Now, if you go to Second Corinthians, again, okay, it's interesting. Paul is writing all this to a Corinthian church. We, if we have a church like that, wouldn't write to them anything. We'll only tell them repent. But he writes, okay, to Second Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 4 to 6. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Okay? Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. We'll look at that later in detail what it means. But look at verse 6. He has made us competent. I'm using the NIV version. Okay? Other versions will use term qualified, worthy, okay, as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. He says our competence, our ability is from the spirit. There is this letter and there is a spirit. He says, if you only minister in the letter, your ministry will be a ministry of death. It cannot bring life. It's a ministry of condemnation. It's a ministry of Moses telling you what you should do without ever having the power to do that. So you always live under condemnation. It only brings death. 
it does not bring life. But it says when the spirit comes, it brings life. It not only tells you what to do, it also gives you the power to do it. So from the beginning till the end of Jesus' life and his ministry, he showed us a pattern. So in Zechariah 4 and verse 6, we don't have to go there. We all know it by heart. Even if you have never read it, you have sung it. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. So God said, it's not by your might. No, God is not saying it is not by his might. Okay, it's not, it's not by your might or it's not by your power. It's by my spirit that everything is done. So he's telling a new covenant believer, this is the format. You can't do anything by your might, what God asks you to do. You cannot even live that life by your might. You cannot even live that life by your power. It is by my spirit. So God says, everything that I have ever done is doing or will do, we do it together. The Father does it through the Son, that is the Word, and the Spirit. And they are absolutely in unity. So he's saying, God's children, don't do it by the Word alone. Even my son who was full of the word, did not do it on his own. He did it only by the spirit. Okay, if you turn to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, you will see through the Bible, this unity is always declared. 5, 7, yeah. Which? There are three that testify. testify. The The spirit. And the water. The water. And the blood. And they agree. Okay, they, they agree. The father will never, 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 what you call it, contradict the spirit. Never contradicts the spirit. Okay? The word will never contradict the spirit. Will never contradict the spirit. And they always agree. They always agree. So, because the greater confusion in the kingdom of God within the church is with the Holy Spirit. The greatest. See, if you're confused with the Holy Spirit, you'll be confused about everything else. You'll be confused about the Father. You'll be confused about the Word. If you're right about the Holy Spirit, understand the Holy Spirit and acknowledge the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you, you, everything will start falling into place. Everything will start falling into place. And please understand, the first thing the Holy Spirit teaches, the first thing the Holy Spirit teaches, you will see in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, the first thing the Holy Spirit teaches is, for anyone who enters God's rest, also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest. So that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. The first thing the Holy Spirit teaches is not work. It's not work. It's rest. Okay? Because God can do a work through any man, including his own son, when he came in the flesh, only out of rest. So the first work of the Holy Spirit is rest. That's why Jesus will always, when you see he appears, the first thing he says is peace. Get rest. He'll not say go. Rest. Chill. Calm down. Rest. Because God always operates from rest. No? 
So the first work of the Holy Spirit is rest. Because if you work without rest, only confusion will come. Only confusion will come. So if you look to Ephesians 2.6, okay? Okay, everybody knows it. I hope you know it. You should know it by now. We have read it, heard it a thousand times in all these years. What does it? scripture says? God raised six, raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him. Okay? In the heavenly places. The first thing. What is that called? It's called rest. Okay? First thing is that God says, when you are saved, the first act of salvation is, go do something for me. No. He says, sit down. You are seated in Christ Jesus. Okay? Let's go to chapter 1 of Ephesians. What does he mean? Verse 13 and 14. In him mm-hmm. you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay. The first thing God does is that when you heard, and I heard, you heard, we heard, honestly we heard, we repented, we believed. One of the first thing God does is he sealed. This is called the assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation. Okay. Lot of people need to realize it's the first thing you need. Rest. I'm secure. I was not saved because of my works. Okay. So I never, ever have to work for my salvation. That's the first rest. God says this is the first rest you need to have. You are saved. I saved you. Okay. I put a seal. And then what does it do to confirm it? Yeah. Yeah. The guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay. I like the NIV a little more simpler. Okay. You, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Like, you're expecting a lot of money, it hasn't come in, but you go start an account. And depending upon the bank, they will tell you this is minimum deposit. Minimum deposit. Government bank, 500 rupees. With check, 1000 rupees. Private bank, 5000, because they don't trust you or they want your money. Okay? But that's a deposit. That's a deposit. Nobody who's expecting nothing will go start a bank account. Everybody who starts a bank account is expecting something to come. Okay? That's your deposit. Your deposit is an expectation of more money will come and I will put in more money. Okay? And God says, you're saved. Because you believe in my son. Be at rest. And I put a deposit in you. That is the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit, Paul will say, we cry out, Abba Father. That's the, that's, that is the key. And lot of people are actually not able to say with conviction, God is my father. God is my father. Okay. Lot of people are not able to actually say with conviction, God is my father. Okay. Like I keep telling, this is the illustrations Jesus uses because once you are a son, you went to school, you goofed up. 
still you track trace your way back home you never get to max but it's still home it's still home you you don't go to somebody else's house okay you still go home this is the assurance god gives you this is the assurance he says you are at rest i know you you know me you don't know me as i know you but i have put my spirit in you and through my spirit you call you say abba father that's the first thing he says that is what is called rest that is what is called rest so the first thing every you don't have to wake up every morning and thinking am i saved you know abigail doesn't wake up in the morning and thinking is vijay my father is justin my mother you know how automatically she calls you dada yeah papa she mummy please can you show me my birth certificate please no she has do you realize how automatically it comes papa mama god says it should come automatically right even when he spanks them do they say stranger they cry and say papa no papa <laughs> did you see did you see what the holy spirit does in you does in you you know this is the assurance this is the rest god is talking about because only people who enter into that rest okay constantly no intense he says you have to labor into that rest because the devil will always try to move you from that rest because what is the whole idea of the devil to tempt you and what is the result of temptation sin and after that your rest is gone you become restless and he will say you see you see you are no longer a child you are finished destined for hell gone god but god says no 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 you are my child now come back even when you are fallen you still come back to me that's why we robert talked about the boldness of mercy boldness to come back to the throne of grace so you have to understand how the enemy operates because if you don't understand how the enemy operates we will not be able to walk in the spirit and never do anything never do anything because it is out of the rest in ephesians chapter 2 itself if you look further down okay verse 8 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourself it is the gift of god okay not of works how were you saved by grace through faith not your work and then what does it says so that no one should boast and verse 10 we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus to do okay there are good works we have to do okay but if you are not in that rest you will not do that works there are works we have to do but the works can be done only from rest that's why rest is so important so scripture says every man has to cease from his works enter into that rest and then proceed into works okay works are important and the devil will constantly stop try to make us restless but jesus says it is through the spirit that we call him abba father it is through the spirit we are called to walk it is through the spirit we are called to live it is through the spirit we are called to do things his works the, like i said the issue is the spirit and without the spirit the word kills 
the letter kills. Okay, letter kills. So when Israel came out of Egypt, now let's go to Exodus. Okay, when Israel came out of Egypt, go to Exodus chapter thirteen. They coming out. Okay, so far they did nothing. They just sat there in their houses, stood wherever they were, and watched the deliverance of the Lord. They did nothing. Only thing they were asked to do is get inside, sit quietly, don't move, and then put the blood. They haven't done anything. Now they are moving. And when they moved out, if you come to Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21. Okay. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Okay. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Read carefully verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead. The term, the word, yes, listen here, okay, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. The Lord here is talking about Jesus. The word. While the pillar and the cloud is talking about the Holy Spirit. So God is showing through them a physical pattern of our life. He says, don't go by the letter alone. The letter alone. Don't allow the letter alone. Allow the spirit. Both. Both need to be there. Day and night. If both are there, it will lead you. It will lead you. It will go before you. The word and the spirit. It will lead you. And if you come to verse chapter 14 and verse 19, okay, they're having trouble. The enemy is now behind them coming like a roaring lion. And scripture says in verse 19, the angel of God, that is Jesus, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew also and went behind them. And what happens immediately? The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Both of them. The word went behind. Jesus went behind. The spirit went behind. Okay. I was telling them. Okay. And trouble is behind you. Telling Israel the word and the spirit. And when you are facing your enemy, facing your enemy, the word and the spirit is working together. It's teaching us the word and the spirit together. Why I'm telling you this is because 90%, I'm just using a casual love. I'm not sure who am I to say. But the church is dead. It's because the spirit is not moving. It's not that they don't have the word. All the problem within the believing church is with the spirit, not with the word. If you speak in tongues, half the church says it is demonic. It's demonic. And the spirit leaves them. And says, you live by the word alone. And they are of no effect. Doesn't matter how good they are in the word. No effect in the most of the world. Not reaching in China. He's not effective in Africa. He's not effective in the Middle East. Why? Because he calls manifestation of the Holy Spirit as demonic. Is he a great man? Yes. Is he a good man? Yes. But you know what? He doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So there are great men, good men on one side of the aisle who have no clue about the Holy Spirit. And they go by the letter. Little bit. So they are effective only in their circles, but much of the world is free of them. Free of them. So you always have to be so. When you read them, when you listen to them, learn from them about everything except the Holy Spirit. 
When they talk about the Holy Spirit, tune them off. Because they don't know what they are talking about. They don't know what they are talking about. Because the letter alone does not work. And that's what's happening over here. Even here, the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is working together always. Because they always agree. Jesus himself, when he came in the flesh, would not. Though he was full of the word, he will not do anything without the Spirit. Without the Spirit. And God, the Father, will not do anything without the Spirit. Without the Spirit. And even people who do not acknowledge the Spirit when they preach the word, when people get saved, it is the compassion of God where the Spirit touches that person, convicts and saves them without them. Because without the Holy Spirit, nobody is going to get saved. The Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not theology. It is a person. It's a real, real person. And our issue, Christian's issue, is with the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, this is a dead letter. This is a dead letter. Okay? And all I was preaching in the past yesterday, therefore yesterday I was telling the pastors also, people struggle with the word of God is because they don't invite the Holy Spirit. You invite the Holy Spirit and see how the word will change and you'll find this is the most exciting book you cannot put down. You can spend the rest of your life on it because the Holy Spirit changes the book. Otherwise, it's just a religious exercise. It's just a religious exercise. Let's continue further. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus are working together. They're working out the will of God, the purpose of God for Israel that is coming out. Actually, God had told in the beginning, they need to take a three-day journey so that into the wilderness, so they may worship him, they may serve him. It's a three-day journey. So where does our guidance come from? It comes from the word and the spirit. Now, if you go to Exodus chapter 40, Exodus chapter 40, 4 zero, okay? And verse 34 and 35, okay, this is when the tabernacle, they are in the wilderness, the tabernacle is built, the tent of meeting. Now, scripture says, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of the meeting because a cloud had settled upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Okay, the tent. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out. And until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire in the cloud by night in the sight of the house of Israel during all their travels. So if you look at it, who led them? It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Who led them through it all? And God is saying that they were a pattern, physical pattern for us. They are an example. This is how you shall be led, and this is how my son lived, and this is how Jesus lived for thirty years. And at the age of thirty, he moved. Okay, he moved because the Holy Spirit told him to move. Now you go to the book of Numbers, Sankhya in Nepali. Oh, Hindi. Ganti in Nepali. Sankhya in Hindi. Chapter 9. You got numbers, chapter 9? Okay. Now I'll read from verse 15. On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony was set up, the cloud covered it. Okay. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. Evening till morning, meaning at night. At night, if it's a cloud, you won't be able to see it. 
So the cloud look like fire. Okay, when it is dark, when it is dark, the Holy Spirit, when God says, when things are very dark, God's Holy Spirit will reveal to you in which you can see. Okay? When things are much more clearer during daylight, meaning when you know the word of God, you are pretty familiar with the word of God, then God will give you a revelation according to that. You don't need so much revelation because you already know, but there will be light. But when you do not know and you are absolutely confused, he will reveal to you in a way that you are very clear. So God's revelation of the Holy Spirit is always there, whether it is very dark or whether it is light. Okay? And this is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. So Israelites moved only when the cloud moved. The cloud did not move, they did not move. Okay? And at his command, they encamped. Okay? At his command. That is the word. It's not the cloud. The cloud doesn't command. At his command. So the word and Jesus are working, going together. Okay? Working together. The spirit speaks through the word. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Okay? Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. And at the Lord's command, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud only stayed only from evening till morning. And when it lifted on the morning, they set out. Whether by day or night. Whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. You getting it? It didn't matter whether it was day or night. Sometimes it was just for one day. They moved. In the cloud mode. Sometimes at night, the fire moved and they moved. Because if you know ancient civilizations, most people in the old days never moved at night because they were afraid of night. That's why God says, the sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. You don't worry, just follow the cloud. It doesn't matter whether it is a day or night. You will not be harmed if you obey the leading of my Holy Spirit. A thousand may fall at one time, ten thousand. It will not because you have to be led by my Spirit, whether it is day or night. And then look at it. Verse 22. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year. Now this is talking about ministry. It's talking about our work. It is who he who sets our pace. Oh Lord, I haven't done anything. He says, sit down. Did I ask you to move? Did I ask you to move? Did I ask you to move? Elijah, now full of the word, is fritting in the chariot. God says, sit down. Did I ask you to move? Zarephath doing nothing. Sit down. Live a quiet life. We are not talking about church. We are talking about ministry. Church is different. A church should be started because God has called. And then when the pattern is set, the pattern of the church continues. But anything extraordinary when it is done, it's because he has intervened. It has intervened. No? It has intervened. Like I was telling the pastors, like, no, they actually asked, like, at the end of this month, that I could go to Dubai for five days. I said, no, I'm not coming. Free ticket, everything. No, I'm not coming. Because there's no leading. Leading to go. Very clearly, no leading to go. But of course, my sister and my brother-in-law are there. That is not the reason you go. Of course, there will be meetings organized. You can preach also. But there is no leading to go at this time. There's no leading at all. So, it's fine. It's fine. You see, this is where our rest comes from. This is where our confidence comes from. Otherwise, you know what? That's what he's talking about. Whether it was two days, one month or one year, if the cloud moved, 
They moved. If they didn't move, they did not move. But if the cloud moved after 14 hours in the night, they still moved in the night. And that is exactly how Jesus, he's an itinerant preacher. He's not a church pastor, Jesus. So he moves like that. He moves like that. Because maybe one of you may be called to be an itinerant pastor or a servant of God. Remember how you move. How you move. Okay. And then let us look further what happens. Yeah. And verse 23. And the Lord's command, they encamped. And the Lord's command, they set out. So the Lord is commanding also there. So the cloud is there. The Lord is commanding, meaning the spirit and the word are working together. And it's working through that man. Who is the spirit and Jesus speaking to? It's speaking to Moses. And Moses is leading them. And they obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Moses is an individual who has surrendered in the the new covenant. Everybody can have the same thing. God can speak to you and say, this is how you need to move. Okay. So now come further. Because when you are led by the spirit... Time is, time does not matter. Because he's the Lord of time. Time does not matter. Because if anybody should have been restless about time, it should have been Jesus. Because nobody ever came with a greater job to do than him. And for 30 years he did nothing. He did nothing. You get 30 years. Imagine you have the job of saving people and you do nothing. Not a sermon. Not a preaching, not a miracle, nothing. You do nothing. Because why? The cloud did not move. Sit there. And where? 25 years probably in one town called Nazareth doing what? Good, righteous, godly life, making furniture. Why? You've not been asked to move. Not been asked to move. You know, this is from where our rest comes. Because you and I don't have to do one thing outside of what God wants us to do. Because um, ministry is not the abundance of works. Ministry arises out of an obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But first you have to enter into the rest that I am sure about my salvation. Spirit is there. Whether I am standing or whether I am falling, the Spirit is there. When I stand, the Spirit allows me to worship God and say, Abba, Father. When I fall, the Spirit enables me to cry out and say, Abba, lift me up. So there, that rest is there. That rest is there. Because Why? You will really, 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 really will be able to walk with God with attention by things happening around. Okay, Jesus was never moved by pressure and need of people. He was never, never. Okay, the need was genuine, and he could have met those needs, but he didn't. He didn't. But all these things are happening, and suddenly something happens. You know what happens? Moses is up, golden calf is made, and God is pretty upset with them. I'll go to. The very familiar chapter we know, Exodus 33. Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, Leave this people, you and the people you brought out of Egypt, and go up the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Okay? God said, Move from here. Move. I'll take, go to that place which I promised. Why? Because I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm a man of my word. I don't break my word. I don't like these guys at all. But I'll still stick to my word. And I will give you what I promised your ancestors. Now listen to chapter, uh, verse 2. Read verse 2. Ah, you see, except for NKJV, almost every translation you will say, I will send an angel. Does not say I will send the angel. 
only kjv nkjv says the angel every translation says i will send an angel you know what god is saying okay you guys are not interested in me or spiritual things you just want material benefits okay fine i'll call one of the cherubims you guys take him one cherubim is enough to defeat all these nations i don't need to come along with you because you're not interested in me so i will do one thing i promise abraham isaac and jacob and because of that word i'm i will keep my promise there are seven nations ahead you're only interested in land and houses and wells and gold and this thing and all that i will send an angel go process the land i'm not coming with a set of people who are not interested in me that's what he says i will send an angel and read yeah i will send an angel before I will not go with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people. I will not come with you. I will send an angel with you. You can possess your possession. But I will not come with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people. And if I come along with you, I may have to consume you. You will not listen to my spirit. You will not listen to my spirit. Okay? You will not listen. It is in this context that Moses cries out. And he prays. everything that we know about is out of this context and out of this context is his great prayer and god is pleased and verse 14 what does he say the lord replied yeah my presence will go with you i'll give you rest okay he does not say my presence will go with the people my presence will go with you and look at verse 15 this is in the background in which he says what does he say Ah. What is already promised I can send an angel give you first class in your class 10 get your promotion in your college okay get your increment in your company and send an angel you're not interested in me you want that that's fine well you will have an angelic ministry you will not have a holy spirit ministry you will have an angelic ministry that's all you want you can send angels to do that work they can do it but if you want my holy spirit and Moses intercedes and he cries God says okay I'm pleased with you my presence will go with you and you will have what rest meaning Moses I want you to work from rest you will have rest enter into my rest and work from my rest these stiff necked people will drive you crazy send you up the wall be at my rest my presence will go with you and he says if your presence doesn't go with me don't take us from this place I'm sure the people did not hear this they would have liked that okay okay yeah, this is now you need to understand what god is trying to tell us okay so this pattern is always there it is not just not the word it is the word and the spirit and if you don't want the word and the spirit you can still claim and name and get your promises it's an angelic ministry okay but you have already judged yourself to be stiff naked and god's presence has left you because he says if i'm with you i will have to consume you So the Bible is very clear it is the holy spirit it's not by might it's not by power it's by my spirit it's by my spirit okay if you go you see the patterns go back to numbers if you go to numbers and chapter 10 numbers chapter 10 verse 1 and 
gospel to Moses, saying, mm. Make two silver trumpets mm. of hammered work, you shall make them. Mm. And you should use them for summoning the congregation for building camp. Okay. And now, now well, the question is, why do you need two trumpets? You need only one, right? Do I need two microphones? I need only one, no? But if there are two people, you need two microphones, right? There are two people in the worship team. Will one microphone be enough? You need two. You need two. Why? Because there is God, the Word, and God, the Spirit. Identical, hammered silver. Your Word is like silver, refined seven times over. Both will be identical. Both will speak the same thing. Both the sound will be the same, and both will be pure. For what? For calling out the cam. Bringing, okay? Whether you are calling out the camp, assembling of the people, or releasing of the people, it will be the work of my son and my spirit. Or verse 9. What is verse 9? And when you go to war, when you go to war, in your land against the adversary who is, uh, adversary who oppress you, mm. and, if, and then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets. Yeah. Okay, sound? Alarm with the trumpets. Not alarms. One alarm, two trumpets. Whether you are calling of an assembly, breaking of an assembly, or whether you are going to war, it is done by my word and by my spirit. It's all done by my word and my spirit. Without my spirit, you can't do nothing. You cannot do nothing. That's where the entire new covenant God will constantly say, be careful about how you deal with my spirit. People will say, what is the sin that leads to death? You know what it is? Ultimately, the Holy Spirit leaves. And you will see in the book of Revelation. Everything is before them. They know God is true. God is real. Judgment is coming. Nobody is able to repent because the Holy Spirit is gone. Holy Spirit is gone. They know the word. They are seeing signs, wonders, miracles, everything. Nobody is able to change because the Spirit is gone. Spirit is gone. Okay. Now, this is extreme cases. Okay, Don't look so terrified, Richie. Okay? <laughs> Okay, so whether it is setting out, whether it is war, breaking camp, gathering camp, war, or verse 10. On the day of your gladness also, and mm. at your appointed feast, mm. and at the beginning of your months, mm-hmm. you should blow the trumpet. Ah, when you are rejoicing also, blow the trumpet. Blow the, meaning, even your rejoicing is through the word by the spirit. Okay, everything. Gathering, breaking, war, your occasions when you celebrate, celebrate the word and the spirit. He says, don't do anything outside the word and the spirit. Our issue is not the word because everybody has the letter. Our issue is the spirit. Because the letter is there, we will say we are doing according to the word without the sanction of the spirit. That's what God is talking about. The word and the spirit will guide you, will help you through this. So the, now the trumpets are there. And if you go to verse 11. In the second year, mm-hmm. in the year, in the second month, on the twelfth day of the month, mm-hmm. the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testament. Ah, now the cloud is still there. So all symbols are given. Okay, the cloud is there, the trumpets are there, the cloud is there, all representing the word and the Holy Spirit. 
and you will see the cloud is there and then the Arab movie. Then the Israelites set out from the desert, traveled from place to place until the cloud came to rest in the desert of Paran. And they set out this first time at the Lord's command through Moses. So it's the Lord is speaking through Moses and the cloud is also there. Okay. Moses says, let us move tomorrow morning. How do you know he's right? But the next day morning the cloud moves. Next day morning, the cloud. So they know the word and the cloud is confirming. And they move. Okay, that is how it is happening. Now you will see something. But yeah, go to verse thirty-five. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, "Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and and let those who hate you flee before you." Man. Okay, before before getting into that, okay, I missed a couple of things there, okay. Our problem is, you can have all this, right? Let's say Peter here, because Peter was talking about if you are down in the this thing today, worship the Lord, okay. Peter has the word, and Peter actually knows, hears the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Okay. And still, he will go and ask Sammy, <laughs> Sammy. You know what? Will you come with me? Will you come with me? Look at what's happening there. Chapter 10. Everything is done. Come to verse 29. And Moses said to Tobab, the son of Uriel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. What did he say? Go. He went to flesh. Who is that? His brother-in-law. Zipporah's brother. Okay? He went to his brother-in-law and he's saying, we are setting out for the place about which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us. We will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. He answered and said, no, I will not go. I am going back to my own land and my own people. Moses said, please, please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in the desert. You can be our eyes. If you come with us, we will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. Now you tell me, you have two trumpets, you have the word and you have the spirit. Why do you need your brother-in-law? But that's exactly the same mistake we make. We have the word. We know the spirit has spoken. Still we'll go for the third confirmation. And usually will be flesh. You shall be our eyes. I mean, you don't, the cloud is not enough. Fire by night. Cloud by day. It's not enough. I mean, what? this is your GPS. Why do you need this guy, your brother-in-law? He doesn't know where God is taking you. Now you are relying on the arm of flesh to reach you where God should take you. In spite of all of this stuff. And who is doing this? Moses. Moses is doing it. You see? It is interesting. Moses says all these things. Okay? And verse 33. What does scripture say? And verse 34. Moses is saying, brother-in-law, please come. Come. No, in Malayalam, Malayalam, we say Aliyan. Aliyan, Aliyan, please come with me. Please come with me. No, come with me. But God's narrative doesn't speak about him at all. 
It doesn't say his brother-in-law went ahead. Scripture says the ark went ahead and the cloud went ahead. It's Christ and the Spirit which are still leading them. Nazan speak about his brother-in-law at all there in the entire narrative. He says, I will not mention it. It's not flesh that leads my people. Flesh will not lead my people. Who will lead my people? It is my son and my spirit will lead my people. Okay. It's my son and my spirit which will lead my people. You know, every time Moses goofed up in the desert is when he consulted flesh. One was his brother-in-law, other was his father-in-law. He consulted his brother-in-law and he consulted his father-in-law. Okay. And with his father-in-law, because he went and listened, God, on us, his servant. He will not uh, put his servant in public to shame. You need to understand that even when he hit the rock, God still gave water, though he judged him for that. When Jethro said, this is too much for you, why are you taking all this burden on you? Is it your burden? Hasn't God already told you? He should have told you, no, Dada. It's not a burden because his presence is with me and I enjoy his rest. That's not what he said. Oh, okay, okay, what should I do? He says, elect 70 people. Select 70 people. And ordain them. So he selected 70 people. Listening to whom? Not to Christ, not to the Spirit, to his father-in-law. Elected 70 people and ordained them. And what did God do? Put his Spirit upon them. Because it's a man of God who is ordaining them. Put his spirit. And how do you know it is wrong? Because this 70, thousands of later, years later, will sit in a dark night and crucify God's own son to be sentenced him to be crucified. The Sanhedrin was Jethro's idea and not God's idea. That 70 is the one who becomes his Sanhedrin. The arm of flesh. Which will ultimately crucify the son of God. Okay, so you have to look at all these things and God is saying, you know what? You don't have to worry about life. You don't have to worry about what to do. First enter into it. Be sure about your salvation. Cry out. Allow the Holy Spirit to cry out from you. When you are standing, whether you are falling. It's my Holy Spirit. I put my spirit as your deposit. And if you don't have it, then say, Lord, I want to get saved. I don't know you. I have no confirmation of your spirit in my life. Then I'm a dead man walking. Absolutely dead man walking. I want to be alive. And it is the Holy Spirit that makes us alive. The quickening by the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's not the word alone that makes you alive. It's the Holy Spirit working on the word that makes you alive. That's what happens. And it's interesting, you know, what happens? The cloud of the Lord was over them by day and then. And whenever the ark set out, what did Moses say? Meaning, when your day starts... This is practical. When your day starts and you're going to work, whatever you're going to school, you're going to college, and you are a child of God and the Spirit of God is in you, what do you say? Arise, O Lord, and may your enemies be scattered. May your force flee before you. That's what you say. That's what the Spirit opens his mouth and says, Moses, when you're setting out, you have enemies. They're those physical enemies. We fight against, do not fight against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness. What do you say, Lord? You lead me, let your word and your spirit guide me. And you open your mouth and say, Arise, O God, let your enemies be scattered. And then when you come back home, verse 36, when he rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to my dwelling place. This is your people. Return, O Lord. Please don't uh, go uh, fighting in the night, no Lord. We have come back home. Come and be with us, O Lord. Okay. You look at it, how beautiful it is through the Old Testament patterns. God is teaching us how to live this life in the spirit. 
how to walk this life in the spirit coming back to the word and coming and inviting the holy spirit every day in our life and says this is how you go don't worry about your salvation be sure about it and don't worry about what you have to do he will tell you and you just have to do that and you have been told something to do on a regular basis keep doing it until he tells you to stop like he t- tells me to preach to preach that's all okay when he says stop i have to stop so there are a lot of things you may be told through the leadership just do it that's all but there will be things which the spirit will tell you to do and for that you have to hear you have to hear okay but all these things you can hear you can read all these things are irrelevant if you don't combine it with faith combine it with faith that's what he talks about this very people in the book of hebrews he says you know look at what it says in hebrews chapter 3 hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 so as the holy spirit says who says what does he say today today if you hear his voice because he's talking about a living voice of god he's speaking even now he's speaking to hearts he says today if you hear his voice don't harden your heart don't harden your heart Today if you hear my voice do not harden your heart. So when you hear you believe and you obey. That's what Hebrews 4:2. They heard but they did not combine it with faith so what they heard was of no use to them. No use to them. The Holy Spirit they heard the word but the Holy Spirit was they wouldn't allow the Holy Spirit to move in them. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in them or work through them. So what happens one generation is literally perishing in the midst of abundance of word and the spirit perishing literally that's the rock and the and the manna the manna is coming and the rock water is flowing so there is word and there is spirit in abundance none is ill among them none is weak among them but all are dead dead men walking why they won't listen to the holy spirit It's touching their outward body it is not touching their inner man that is why scripture is saying the clothes did not wear off the body is fresh and strong the clothes are not wearing off look at their feet nobody has swelling on their feet their sandals won't wear off meaning the anointing of the word and the spirit is working so fantastically on their body their clo- even their clothes and their shoes but the soul is dying souls are wasting away simply why they wouldn't listen to the voice of the holy spirit simply simply because of that so please remember this god is not looking for anything from us <laughs> he doesn't need uh, anything from us he's looking for people who will believe and obey and be led by his spirit now turn with me to the book of isaiah okay to the book of isaiah You got Isaiah 63 sorry Isaiah 63 I'll read from verse 8 to 10 Oh Vijay you can read loud okay Vijay the recording has to pick it up yeah which For he said hmm. surely they are my people hmm. children who will be falsely hmm. and he became their savior He became their savior In all their affliction he was afflicted 
Okay. Now all their afflictions, he was afflicted. And who saved them? The angel of the presence saved them. Eh? In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. Hmm. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Hmm. Verse 10. But they rebelled. They rebelled? grieved his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. His son redeemed them and they rebelled against his spirit. So he fought against them. Working in cross purposes. He said, they grieved my Holy Spirit. They grieved my spirit. So God, that's why Jesus says, if you sin against the Son, you will be forgiven. And Father also is forgive. But my spirit, he says, you blaspheme against my spirit. Ultimately, he says, there is no redemption. It's over. It's over. Okay. So it's very, it's the issue with the church always has been with the Holy Spirit. They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Let's come down further to verse 11. Yeah. And to 14. Remember, yeah. And we remember the days of old mm-hmm. of Moses and his people. Mm-hmm. When where is he who brought them up out of the sea? Mm-hmm. With a shepherd of his flock. Mm-hmm. Where is he who put in the midst of them this Holy Spirit? Ah, what did he put in their midst? The Holy Spirit. And then? Who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses. Mm-hmm. Who divided the waters from before them to make for himself an everlasting name. the Lord that led them and gave them rest. It is always the word and the spirit working together. So this is one fundamental error the church makes. Because the thing is that people sitting over here including children have heard the word till it's coming out of your nostrils. Many do not listen Obey or honor the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is why the word is of no effect. It's of no effect. Even if a little child consistently sits with the word and says, Spirit of God, help me, suddenly things will start happening in their life. Will start happening in their life. The issue is not with the word. The issue is that we are, we are messing up with the spirit. Like the children of Israel did. And Jesus' ministry was entirely defined by that too. The word and the spirit. Because the word without the spirit kills. But the spirit gives. That's why he said my word is spirit and life. Don't confuse the person of the Holy Spirit with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't confuse this. Don't confuse this. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7, I have not given a spirit of fear. Before that in verse 6, what does he say? Stir up what you have received. A gift. You received a gift. And Romans eleven twenty nine says, the calling and the gifts are irrevocable. What does it mean? It means, let me ask you, how many of you learned uh, driving in a proper driving school? Does the driving, the teacher still come with you? But you can still drive, right? The gift is like that. The gift can still operate after the Holy Spirit has left.
And we sometimes confuse people on TV. And we look at the gifts without even, sometimes not even realizing the person may have left. And the way they talk so casually about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all that, yet people are zapped by the power that is working. And you know, it's a very dangerous thing. Look at First Samuel chapter 19, verses 23 to 24. Quickly, First Samuel chapter 19, verses 23 to 24. And he went there to Naoth, who is this? Samuel. Sorry, Saul. King Saul, okay? And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mm. also. Mm. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Nayoth and Ramah. Okay. Now, now, now you have to understand what is happening, okay? First read verse 20. Now, King Saul is mad. He's looking for, uh, for David. And, uh, he sent servants, but nothing is happening. And now he himself goes, yeah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. Take David. Now we need to realize this is exactly what Jesus did with his disciples before the Holy Spirit was given to them. He anointed them and said, go do my work. So when these people came under that anointing that was over Samuel, they all started prophesying. The anointing is on Samuel and they are prophesying. They are prophesying. So when Saul himself comes under that anointing, the gift that was finished is activated. He's prophesied. Okay. Remember, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 10, 1 chapter 10, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6. This is what God had told through Samuel about Saul. And the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, mm-hmm. and you will prophesy with them, mm-hmm. and be turned into another man. Different man. Okay? And now if you look at verse 9 and 10. And he turned his back to leave Samuel. God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. Mm-hmm. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, this is how his life began. Public ministry began for King Saul. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He starts prophesying that he is anointed as king. That's how we began. But we know when you come to chapter 16, chapter 16 and verse 14. Ah, the Spirit of the Lord has departed from. The gift is still there. It's lying there underneath somewhere, like Timothy has a gift, not using at all. This gift is over there. So when he comes under the influence of Samuel's periphery anointing, the gift operates. Person has left. Person has left. Person has left. But the gift is operating. Only difference is, we know, he prophesies lying naked. In the physical realm, we are being taught over there. In the spiritual realm, God is saying, you are ministering on a gift, but in the spiritual level realm, your nakedness is 
exposed. The spiritual realm, your nakedness is exposed. The people think, wow, what a great church. Look at the church, 5,000 people. Look at the music. Look at the worship. Look at it. They have a need for nothing. And God says, you are naked. You are naked. You are naked. A gift is operating. The church is full. Offering is piling in. They got all the setup. But God says, you are naked. You are naked. And Saul was naked. Why? Because the person had left. Because this entire work of God is connected with the person of the Holy Spirit. It's connected with the person of the Holy Spirit. You try to take the person of the Holy Spirit and just stick with the word of God, then God will say, it will not work. It will not work. As I close, okay? Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Okay. Now, context, Jesus is born. He's 40 days old. And we know from Bible, no? The Pharisees, the Levites, the priesthood, the wise men, everybody. When the wise men go to Herod and ask him, they all have the answers to all the questions. They know the Bible so well. Where is the son of Jews to be born? No. He doesn't say, who's son of king of Jews? No, no, I am the king of Jews. He doesn't say, he knows the king of Jews is coming. Everybody knows. Everybody, biblical knowledge, accurate. Where? If you ask them, Bethlehem. If you ask them reference, they will tell Micah, they know it all. They all, all know it. Everybody knows scripture about the coming Messiah. Which town, which place, everything. 40 days later, after he's born, nobody has a clue he's born. He's come. Nobody has any idea. Now he's brought into the temple. Who's full of scholars. Levites, priests, everybody who knows their scripture. The letter of the law. And what happens? Let us go to chapter 2 and verse 25. Okay. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And what does the scripture say next? And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's how it begins. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Who revealed it to him? The Holy Spirit. Everybody had the word. He also had the word. But he had something more than the word. What did he have? He had the Holy Spirit. Revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Holy Spirit told him about Jesus. And verse 27. Ah, moved by the Spirit, he came into the temple. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. He had the revelation of the Holy Spirit that he will not die until his eyes had seen the Messiah. And the day, exact day and hour when the Messiah came into the temple, he was moved by the Holy Spirit into the temple. And as soon as he enters into the temple, the Holy Spirit, there must have been hundreds of babies there. The Holy Spirit told him exactly which baby is the Messiah. He goes straight to Mary and Joseph. Straight. And what does scripture say? Simeon took him in his arms. He took the word in the spirit. Okay, he took. And what does scripture say? Verse 29. 
onwards, he is now activating a gift. Probably he did not know even he had. He prophesies over the baby. The spirit of the Lord was upon him. He had the revelation. He is not going to die until his eyes had seen the Messiah. And that day when the Messiah came into the temple, he was somewhere outside. And the spirit of the Lord moves him right into the temple. Takes him exactly to the right person, the right couple. He picks the right baby, not the wrong baby. And as soon as he picks the wrong baby, the gift of the Holy Spirit is activated. And he prophesies over the Christ. And you know what scripture says? Verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. The very mother who was holding the baby. And the very father who had seen dreams and visions. Was looking as to, what is this man talking about our child? The spirit is missing in their lives. They marvel. Why should they marvel? Why should Mary marvel? Do you see that? The spirit. Everybody knew the word. One man knew the spirit. And that was what made the difference. And that is what will make our difference in our life. That is what will make our difference in our life. Okay. And that is what telling young ones, older ones, it's irrelevant. Your age is irrelevant for God. God doesn't look at anything. God doesn't look at anything. Okay. He's only looking for, do you believe? And how do you know you believe? That today when you go back, you will invite the spirit. You say, Lord, I grieved you. I didn't listen to you. This was just a religious duty. But Lord, in the light of what I heard today, I will not harden my heart. Come, Lord, Spirit of God, Spirit of my Lord Jesus, teach me. Speak to me. When you continue it that way, suddenly you will realize, hey, this is real. God speaks and there is rest. And there is rest. I'm not worried about my eternity too. I just have to do what I have to do. Anything extraordinary I have to do, he will tell me. He will tell me. I am not called to do everything. I'm not called to do everything. You know what scripture says in John chapter 6, you don't have to turn, that's a feeding of the 5,000. Jesus asked his disciples, uh, he saw the crowd coming and says, let us feed them. Scripture says he already knew what he was going to do. How did he know what he was going to do? Who told him? Now let me ask you this question. For three and a half, did he feed at every meeting? Only two meetings. Why? Because that's only the Holy Spirit told you. Only two meetings. Do we feed every time or only one Saturday every month? Only one Saturday. And how come in all these nine years we have never ever struggled with that Saturday? Because he told me nine years ago. Have you ever advertised? Pamphlet? Nothing. He said, I will send. I will send my people. You will feed them. You will teach them. And you will give them an offering. Have I ever announced in the church next week is pastor's conference put extra? Why? Because I didn't start it. I didn't start. I didn't start it. Now, most of our own troubles in our life, all of us, personal, person included, are when we moved without him telling us. And what we did was not a bad thing. It is a good thing. But good is always the enemy of the excellent. Good is not the bad the enemy of bad. It is the enemy of the excellent. Okay. And most of the troubles you are facing is the good things we did. But we were not moved by the spirit. And if you look back 
every time the Holy Spirit has really spoken to you and you have done it, there is no pressure at all. Absolutely no pressure. It just comes through. No pressure. It comes. That's exactly what he told Moses. My presence shall go with me and you shall have rest. And that's exactly Jesus also. Even at death, there will be no pressure. I was telling the pastors yesterday, no pressure, departure. If you are given a ticket to go home for two, week, two weeks, all expenses paid, who will cry? Hezekiah can cry because he's not going up, he's going down. He has to wait till Jesus comes to take him up. So he will cry. Why are we crying? You know why? Because the presence is in there. That's why we worried about death. Worried about death. We don't look at death as going home. We see as this as death. This as home. And that's why the apostles, Peter will say in Peter, I'm groaning to put this tent away. Paul will say my departure is near. Now why? Because of the presence. They know. Work over. I don't have to do. You see when he writes Second Timothy, he doesn't say I have still work to complete. He says, I finished. Work is over. How do you know your work is over? Because he told me it's over. Time to go home. He said, I'm excited. Now, who would be excited if you know your head is going to be cut off? But he says, that is the home. That's the way I'm going home. Work is over. He's not, earlier he will say, no, it is, no, I need to be, it's good for me if I'm back because it's good for you. I can keep preaching work and all this thing. No, but now he's not talking about any of those things. He says, it's time to go home. Work is over. If your work is over, what should you do here? You're not one of those workers who are sitting in the office and working overtime because you don't want to go home. You're one of these workers who is trying to be looking at the clock. Okay, five o'clock back and running home because you know that's home. That's family. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Okay. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is the reality of walking and living in the Spirit. First is from rest. Then only out of that rest should come works. Okay. And the works which he asks us to do, he will tell you. He will tell you. Now all those who volunteer in the church, is there any pressure on you? No pressure. Pressure is on me. It's not on you. Even with Pastor Vijay, I say, I will never put pressure on you. All you have to do is tell, teach when you have to teach. That's all. No pressure on you. Pressure is on me. What's the pressure on me? To hear. Your pressure is really to do what uh, I tell you to do. And if you do beyond that, that's your headache, not mine. I didn't know about it. <laughs> if, you had, if you had come and told me, I would have told you this is the way to do. You never told me, that's your headache. But the pressure is on me. And the only pressure on me is to hear. That is the greatest pressure on a believer is to hear. Because we have a living God who speaks. And that's what Jesus said. You know what? Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mouth of God. He proceeds and speaks. When you come into leadership, you will realize your greatest struggle is not in doing. It's in hearing. And that's what Jesus says. Early in the morning, he will arise, go so that he can hear. Shall I take two more minutes? Typical day of Jesus. 
That's what scripture says. The spiritual man judges all things, but he himself is not judged. It does not mean others don't judge him. Their judgment means nothing to him. Because he knows all their judgments are wrong. Because he has heard from God. A typical day of Jesus, he goes, he preaches in Capernaum in the synagogue. Incredible teaching. Demons leave, deliverance. He goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house, heals her, eats. All the sick come. All day, evening, he's healing, 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 healing. It's full day ministry. He goes to sleep. Wakes up early in the morning. Goes to a deserted place. Crying out to his father. The people have all come for more ministry, healing ministry. Peter wakes up. They look for him. Then they know where he is. They go find him and they tell him the people are looking for you. He says, let's go to another place. Because I have to preach there. An entire town is waiting. He goes to another place. Now let me ask you this question. What do you think the disciples thought? They must have judged him. But they were not saying anything. They judged him. Lord, all these people, sick people, in stretchers have come. And you are walking away. What will... They must have judged him. The town must have judged him. Peter's mother-in-law must have judged him. It didn't make any difference to him. Because he has... That's why he says... My judgment is right. Why? Because I judge and do by what I hear. By what I hear. That's the only thing that matters. This is the walk to which God has called us. This is the walk to which God has called us. And I'm telling you young people. Samuel heard when he was young. Very young. David heard when he was very young. It liberates you. It liberates you. Sets you free. You know, you are not under work pressure. Oh, I have to do all these things. No, I have to do only those things which he tells me. Nothing more. Oh, what will happen to the rest of the world? He says, shut up and sit down. I have seven, uh, 7,000 others who have not bowed their knees to me. Elijah, you think you're the only one? That's what I tell pastor. You think you're the only one? Oh, North India, who told you there are no preachers there? You and them? I know. Oh, nobody knows. He knows. We are called to do only what he tells us to do. We are not called to do anything else. We unnecessarily take burdens upon ourselves and then we wear ourselves out. Even Jesus did not do it. Did not do it. He just did what the Spirit told him to do. So please remember, the Holy Spirit is not a theology. It is not a doctrine. He is a person. Person. Shall we pray? Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. Said, O Lord, when the Spirit comes, He said, I have many things to teach you, but you cannot bear it now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you all things. You are the counselor. You are the comforter. You are the spirit of power. You are the spirit of love. You are the spirit of a sound mind. Without you, we can do nothing. And without you, the Father will do nothing. And you have said already, Lord, it's not by might nor by power. It's by your spirit. Everything is done. So today, Father, as a church, we come to you. And we seek your forgiveness, Spirit of God. Every place as a church, we have heard. Where we didn't wait, we didn't listen, we didn't hear, we didn't obey. 
And today as a church, we come back to you, Spirit of God. And I pray there will be an opening of ears. That you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we might know you. And walk with you. For your word says, if we live in the spirit, we also walk in the spirit. And then there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. You brought everyone safely. I pray you reach everyone safely, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.